Church's Favour Women. I'm Marion Wright and this is Favourite Friends, the podcast that shares the beautiful, hopeful and encouraging stories of Christian women. Well, with all the craziness going on in the world right now, here's hoping that this episode, which features a second part of the Q&A that we did with Senior Pastor Joe Geeling, will bring some much needed brightness to your day. This episode has a bunch of wisdom about domestic life. We touch on how to manage a busy family and a busy household. We talk about having a balanced expectation of your marriage and of yourself and your spouse in your marriage. And I think, look, even hormones pop up in there somewhere. I hope you enjoy it. Here is part two of our Q&A with Pastor Joe Geeling. Now, the fact is that you do travel a bit. Your life is kind of crazy. What are your top three tips for running a busy household? Oh, if you saw my house today, you'd go, she has no tips to give. Um, I, I think I think you have to plan ahead and what I mean by that is like I have a term planner I will sit and do a term planner so I've done one for every term this year and then I'll just tweak it as that term comes so that sits on the fridge everyone has one place they can find information now I know there's you know online calendars I know and I do run my own online calendar but for the sake of our family and you know they can see at a glance if dad's away I'm away or we're having people over or whatever so that's all there so a term ahead I think it's actually really good to go what does this term look like and I broke it into a term purely because um, Sam our younger son is still at school so I think I think it's a lot easier to look at a year in four parts as opposed to a whole year. So that's just something that's really good to look ahead. It just gets you thinking about things, oh, we didn't plan that well. And then I plan my week. So usually on a Thursday or Friday, I take half an hour and plan the next week. I'd look into the week. I would look at what kind of meals we're going to eat, um, what's the practicalities of, hey, there's a leaders meeting and probably try and solve problems this week for next week. So just some of those things um, are really important to do as well. So, um, yeah, I think that's a big thing, just planning the week that's coming. I've actually got my husband ringing. I'm just going to turn him off right there. Um, yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, so if I do that, I plan errands. I know it sounds really funny. When I'm really switched on, I plan my day then. So I plan my term, I plan my week ahead and I plan my day, like even to the point of go do washing at this time, do grocery shopping at this time, do my admin here, do my sermon prep there. I find that's really productive rather than getting into a day and going, I have so much to do and I don't know where to start. So the more planning you can do, writing it down. And, you know, for Paul and I, there's just sometimes we'll just sit and go, let's just talk about life. You know, what can we change? Paul's always been great. He just goes, you know what, if we're tired, we're stressed, takeaway will always be the preference rather than, you know, going nuts. Now, it's not always the healthiest option, but you can do healthy as well with that. But um, I think, we, you know, you try and kind of concede ground on some things and, hey, you know what, we'll just sleep in those sheets for one more night. You know, what's the worst thing that could happen to us? I, I think you've got to plan. So I know what my week looks like and um, I'm pretty, like this week I can tell you sort of into next week what I'm going to do. So, yeah, that helps. So planning is the key. Planning is the key and communication. Mm. Um, back when the kids, and I've shared this before, back when the kids were probably a bit more in a routine, it was definitely Monday night, family night, talk about the week ahead, 
hey, guys, what do you need? What can we pray for? Hey, dad's away. You've got camp on. That was a really powerful time, I think, in that season. Where do I have to take you to soccer or basketball? You know, just actually talk about those things. And it was really nice to give everyone, gave a snapshot of their week, you know, where they were stressed. So I think while kids are in school, it's a lot easier to do that. Um, it gets a little bit harder, I think, as they get older and live their own life a bit. Yeah. Let's talk about your family a bit more, a little bit. You've got two sons. Yep. The oldest of whom is getting married very he soon. Is. So your life is probably a bit in extra chaos, just just momentarily, I bet, just yeah. while you're planning and organising. But what I, one of the questions that came through was about wisdom for raising children to love the house of God. Yeah. Oh, wow. I, I think I think sometimes I just sit back and, um, you know, it's just the grace of God. I, I'm always very mindful of going, hey, marriage, let me tell you how to do it. Or, hey, raising children, let me tell you how to do it. Um, I'm very, very mindful that, you know, but for the grace of God, hey, you know, I, I really do hold to that. But there are some principles, I think, that can translate. And, you know, I'm also mindful that some families live by great values and principles, but yet they still have children away from God. So, you know, it, it, I, I don't know what that feels like and I can own my heart just goes out to them so much. But we pray and we believe that God has a, a way and a purpose. I, I think for me with our kids, I, I love I love my children and um you know, I even talk about being busy in our life. I think one of the greatest things in helping our busy life is really narrowing down the convictions. We've talked about convictions before that we live by. And for me, family has just been a non-negotiable. There are things I will say no to um, and put my family first. Like, so for me, that's never been hard. If it means I say no to going somewhere because I just sense this is a season I need to do family, um, you know, there's not a perfect way to segment, you know, your life into that's ministry, that's family, that's my husband time, that's my devotion. There's a flow that takes place. And I think it's more what you put at the center of your life and things flow out as opposed to the compartments of life. And so I think for Paul and I, right from the time we met, it was like, well, God's first. That's just a no brainer. We're giving our lives to him. Um, you know, and I know that's ministry, but I think that was just never something that's ever been up for discussion. It's whatever it takes, whatever he asks us to do, that's just going to be the way we live our life. And so then out of that flows then things you say no to because that will take you away from the call of God and things you say yes to because that's absolutely will lead you into the call of God. So I think with our kids, I, I always come back to kids want authenticity what they see from their mum and dad, I'm hoping on platform, is also what they see from mum and dad at home. Um, you know, Paul's a worshipper wherever he is. That's not something he does on Sundays. He will break into speaking in tongues at any moment. Um, he's, you know, I just think there's just been this thing of we just want God, you know, and I think that's quite contagious. We tried to shield kids um, from talking a lot about things, of people, talking about others. Um, we'll talk about God. I think sometimes it gets harder as they get older and they're more savvy about what's going on. But we've tried to always just go we love church and we love God and we've never had an issue with that and I think that's just been a driving – we've never – you know, for us, it's not even this. There's some things that we don't wrestle with that maybe other people have wrestled with. It's like we've never wrestled with do we go to church. 
or what, you know, that's, they're not wrestles for us. So I think with the kids, I think it's being authentic, being transparent, you know, sometimes like, hey, look, we're just going through a challenging season, but let's pray. Or, hey, God really blessed us this week. We want to tell you what God did. I think they're really powerful conversations. It's taking kids on the journey. And I think one of the primary things is, you know, it talks about passing down, you know, writing, um, oh gosh, sorry, Friday night, um, Leviticus, I think it is, you know, one of the most read books of the Bible (laughs) or the one we stop at Mm. when we're reading the Bible through in a whole year. Um, Leviticus, I think, talks about, you know, passing on to your children, Um, you know, write them in their heart, write the laws of God on their heart, you know, teach them to them daily. And so our role as parents is to actually be a representation of God in our children's lives. They can't read the Bible from a young age. They don't know how to pray. So for us, we are that representation of God in their life. And so we can either represent that well, or we can actually not represent it well. So I think, you know, I, I, you pray about your kids. You ask God for wisdom. I, I find that so often we try and ask other people, going, what do you think I should do with my screaming child? And what do you think I should do with a, my teenager that's causing all sorts of issue? Um, you know, those kind of things. Um, I've got to ask the Holy Spirit to actually help us in that. I know there have been seasons in my life that I've just go, Holy Spirit, what's the key? Well, what do you think is going on in the heart of a child, my child right now? And it'd be like, I just get a little word and go, okay, that, that's what it is. And, um, you know, just being quite powerful, actually, those moments. So, yeah, I, oh, gosh, you know, there's so many things we could talk about parenting, but take them on the journey. Foster a love for the house, not a have to go to church, but a foster. And the other thing is I always say find a place where they can use their gift. And the thing is with kids, they can do it young these days. They're smarter on computers than we are. They know how to do technology. They actually know things that we don't know. And so that's a really big thing as well that we actually have to foster in kids that find their gift. And I see that as my role. Um, I'm the pastor of my house. So as a pastor of a church, I want people to fall in love with Jesus and grow in their relationship with God. And as a pastor of my church, I also want them to find their gift and their place in the body of Christ. Now, as a pastor of my children, I want my kids to fall in love with Jesus and have a love for his house. And I want them also to discover their part that they can play. So that's really important. Let's talk about your marriage. (laughs) Okay. were you when you got married I was 24 and I think I turned 25 that year Hmm. what if you could look back now what would you tell your newly married self oh gosh I don't I I preface this with saying I am I think Paul and I are very now people Mm. we're not really retrospective let's analyze I don't think we do that very well And I think that's probably been the key to keeping a sweet spirit (laughs) that we just go, well, today's today. Let's just embrace what God's got for us. I, when people sometimes go, remember then, and how did you deal with that? And how did you go? Oh, I forgot all those things. Um, what would I tell myself? Um, oh, I just, oh gosh, I don't even know Marion. 
I'd probably tell myself not to try as hard cooking because I thought I had to be perfect. I think I think the perfection thing probably was the big thing. I think I had a picture of um, a wife and then add into that Paul was a pastor. So then I had another picture of a ministry wife. And back then a lot of um, the wives, I guess, were doing counselling of people. Now you've got to understand, I'd never counselled anyone in my life. I'm 24, all right? So I thought, well, maybe that's what I have to do to be the right pastor's wife kind of picture. And I think just some of those things of actually just smashing smashing the stereotypes, uh, stereotypes smashing the comparisons. I think, gosh, I think at any age, whether you're married, single or whatever, if you could actually put that to one side and actually go who has God created me to be I think it's the greatest joy and freedom as you get older apart from the wrinkles and you know hormones but we won't talk about hormones um no let's not that's a whole episode Marion could do her own episode on hormones and I could do on the other side of those other hormones (laughs) but we won't talk about those keep Um, a lookout for our hormones yeah the hormone specialist coming your way healthy hormones with Maz and Joe you know that's exactly what we're going to do but I, I think I think if you can actually free yourself from those things if I could have actually just gone who's Joe and who does God want Joe to be I reckon that'd be the best advice I could give anyone. Mm. And then what does that marriage look like for you as a couple? Because I probably had images of what I thought our marriage should be. I, you know, I like just stupid things. Like I worked full time. Paul was in ministry. I'd rush home from work, 45-minute car trip, and I'd, you know <laughs> – I love it. You know, I'd cook a chicken breast and wrap it in phyllo pastry, you know, with like camembert cheese because I thought, you know, this is what a wife should be doing. And Paul would come home late and it'd be ruined and I'd go, what, why am I doing this? You know, and I think they're the journey things that you have to just go, you know, spag bowl's fine. It really is. Stir fry's fine. Toast is fine. Toast. Some nights. Baked beans is fine. <laughs> no, and I just think the comparison – and actually probably going, well, what do I, what does God want me to be and who am I and what do we want our marriage to be? Because there's a lot of pressure, you know, um, back in the day, you know, there were other couples. We were fortunate to buy a house but there were other couples who then decked out their houses with brand new stuff and we had secondhand stuff. And, you know, you sometimes feel like, oh, is this the way it should be? And you go, yeah, it's totally cool. That's your season. That's where you're at. So I think just to give the freedom to actually go, it's all good. Yeah, I think we just put a lot of these, a lot of bondages on ourselves that God hasn't actually put there. Mm. So, do, yeah. you, do you have any keys for fighting well in a marriage? Oh, gosh. Um, because, like, that's yeah. real. You know, no. oh, we've never had a fight. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> what are you saying I mean, about I me? I can't imagine the two of you fighting. To oh be no, honest. We, we, no. Look, I, I'm, I'm a reactionary. Yeah, sure. Um, and Paul's probably, you know, he's the slow build up, mm. and then you know, um, I can remember dates and times that things happened, mm. which is very unhealthy in a marriage. Um, he can't. So and extremely unhelpful during a fight. Absolutely. <laughs> Look, I think I think a bit of a turning point for me was rather than accusing in a fight mm. and going, you did or you said, mm. to actually, th- this is a real turning point, to explain how I felt mm. um, because it's so easy to go and you spoke rudely to me and you did this and you weren't attentive or, you know, um, all those things. But to actually go, hey, I need you to know how I felt. I felt vulnerable or I felt sad mm. or I felt lonely 
I think when you can actually articulate those emotions as opposed to the accusations, mm. I think you can probably have a better resolution. Uh, and one thing I've noticed, and it's not the same of all men, but in my marriage, you've got to find out who your husband is mm. and for men who your wife is because you can't compare them to someone else, you know. And so for me, I've had to explain things to Paul. Also bearing in mind he has no sisters he grew up in a very male-dominated house. So just sometimes understanding about being a woman, you know, um, just sharing some of those things, go, you know, I feel I feel sad and I feel mm. fat and I feel ugly. And, and you know, when they see your heart, I think always in a f- disagreement, let's not call it a fight, <laughs> when they see your heart, you actually resolve something because at the mm. core that's what you're connected to, mm. you know, two shall become one flesh. Mm. Um, but if you're keeping it very superficial, you know, look, and I find most people, they're usually, um, you've got to actually analyse what the fights are about. Um, it, you know, early days for us, it was money. Mm-hmm. Very different upbringings of money. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily one was right or wrong, but mm-hmm. just different, big fights. And so we'd have fights about something and then you go, oh, it's not actually about that, it's actually about money. And so we sought counsel we sought godly advice sought Mm. people who were doing it well and just said hey can we just ask some questions and they Mm. laughed at us they said this is really normal and you know when you hear that word this is normal you just have a sigh of relief you go we thought we're something there was something wrong with us Mm. and that was liberating Mm. and they said all right it's normal now let's work a plan to so it's not an issue so I think that was a real big one for us and um yeah, I think expectations is always a big one in marriages, just unrealistic expectations, either too high and then you lower them and then they're too low um, and you're disappointed either way. So I, I just think if you can get to the heart and verbalise why you're upset as opposed to attacking the other person, I think that's actually the best way to do it. And I I feel kind of Paul and I, you know, sometimes, you know, you couldn't talk to each other and that now I kind of feel like, I can't deal with that now. Mm. I'm just tired. Can we talk about it tomorrow? And I think that's kind of a bit of a sign of maturity going, I'm really upset. You need to know I'm upset today, but I'm just not in the right space to talk about it. But tomorrow, let's do it. Rather than thinking the whole world is falling apart, you go, okay, we'll deal with that tomorrow. So, you know, I think you've just got to have that maturity. But yeah, reveal yourself, reveal yourself in the argument or disagreement rather than just, because it's never just one person's fault. Mm. It's either they've done something wrong because it hasn't met an expectation of yours. Mm-hmm. So either they don't know the expectation mm-hmm. or they're actually consciously doing it and you've got to actually work out which one is it. So, mm. That's yeah. good. How much time do we have? He just said um, we are leaving now. It will take 20 minutes to get home. That's fine. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Did you know you always wanted to be a pastor? Yes. Like how well, early would you say? Okay. Maybe I didn't know in those words mm. but I knew there was something. I, don't, I, I can't explain it. I was preaching when I was, you know, to – I was writing sermons when I was probably 11 or 12. I don't know why and I don't know where I thought I'd preach them but 
I don't know. I just that was just something I saw. Now you got to understand there wasn't a lot of women kind of in ministry modeling some things. So mm-hmm. I don't know, but it was always a desire to do something. I always saw myself serving Jesus. Mm-hmm. Now I don't know if that I saw that as in missions because that seemed to be the only thing women could do. But then I didn't really like you know the missionary kind of thought that freaked me out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what I saw that as. But no, absolutely, it stirred my heart. I just, yeah, I'd prepare messages. Mm. I love doing that kind of stuff. Yeah, mm. yeah, absolutely. This is a question from me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and the question is, what annoys you about leadership? It should, yeah, yeah, that's I the know. better phrased version would be. I like that What version. do you find challenging about <laughs> your, me your role as a yeah. leader? Yeah. Um, oh gosh. Um, Leadership. I think sometimes, oh, you know, some of the challenges are a leader has to lead, all right? That's pretty obvious. Mm. But you also want to have friends, mm. okay? And that could be a challenge. Mm. So you want to do life with people and you actually want to be liked. But then there is that fine line where now I want you to come with me because that's what God's telling us to do. And look, we're very blessed. I found that easier the older Paul and I get mm. because I feel like there's now a respect, like we have a mother-father kind of anointing mm. on our life. It was probably harder in the early days of peers, mm. you know, because they go, you're just the same as me. So I think sometimes that can be a challenge. And I think we've got to remedy that by actually honouring the gift of God on people's lives um, rather than just going, you're my friend. So I think that can be a challenge sometimes. And I think the other thing in leadership sometimes is when you're going through your own challenges um, and yet I'm leading others and it's not that you're not genuine or authentic in that journey but, you know, I probably really dislike leaders who have to share their journey publicly with everyone Mm. I think there's a place and a time Mm. like on Instagram you know you're a leader don't tell everyone you know it's hard running a church go well you signed up for that okay right you know some people go people don't know how hard it is to be a senior pastor well don't be a senior pastor if you have to share it with everyone and I find that sometimes is you you we've gone through years where we've battled Mm. and again it's not that we're not authentic but as leaders, mm. I feel like we have to go through it before you can actually and have the victory before you share it. So and and just turning up in faith um, rather than on a Sunday going, well, hi church, my week sucked, so let me tell you all about it. Well, now let's worship Jesus. Our church don't need that. They need hope. They need faith. So at the end of the day, I think leadership for me is always I put that aside because I recognise the call of God on my life. I want us to go somewhere today and I want us to touch Jesus because at the end of the day, that's the only thing that brings change to someone's life. And so I really always hesitate, go, don't share that on Instagram leaders. Find a safe place. Now, I'm not saying you don't share it. You find the right place to share it. And I feel like Paul and I have been really blessed with some great people who will cry with, who will pray with us. So there's really... Again, you know, a safe place, but we can still lead and help people. And so I think they're the challenges. And I think people don't see that sometimes. You know, you can have comments like, oh, the church doesn't do this. You know, we are humans at the same time. We feel 
we feel things. Um, we feel hurt when people, you know, do that. But at the end of the day, for us, it's a choice of I have a conviction as a leader. I am leading people. Joshua and Moses had to lead people where they didn't necessarily want to go. But what was the result? They walked into the promised land. Mm. And I feel that's that constant tension as a leader. And for any leaders listening out there today, it doesn't negate what you're walking through, but find the right people to do that. And social media is not the place to vent and to rage and to share. Find a group of people go, I need prayer, I need to talk. Um, But as leaders, we have to go, there is a promised land for people and I want to take them on that journey. Uh, I'm sure Joshua had bad days. I'm sure Moses had bad days. But if they'd fallen apart on those days and stopped leading, those people would never have got where they were called to go. And so I think people don't understand that sometimes. So they're the tensions. They're the Mm. tensions. Um, Yeah, and sometimes it feels like um, a barren season. Mm. Sometimes you think... I'm pressing into God, but I'm not really getting a lot. Um, We serve God in season, be ready in season and out of season. Um, Sometimes, you know, it just flows from heaven. You've just got to, you know, you just feel that space, you just keep going. And I think um, we've lost a lot of resilience in some of those areas. Um, uh, Yeah, and I think that's a big thing. So that in leadership, absolutely, yeah. I thought this was a great question. How do you spiritually, mentally and emotionally process negative criticism? Um, It depends where it comes from. Yeah. Okay. Uh, If it comes from someone I respect and honour, take it on board. Mm. Don't like it, Mm. but take it on board. If it comes from someone I don't know, you know, I, I can't go there. You know, I've had criticism before. I've preached in churches where someone come and critique my sermons afterwards. Mm. And what to your face? Yep, to my face. Oh, you'd be surprised. And I remember one instance someone critiqued me and said, You didn't do this right. And I, I got I got really agitated and I just felt quite often I find sometimes criticism comes, it's almost like a little tool of the enemy mm. to bring the confidence down. And I remember just saying, I was getting really upset and defensive, and I said, sorry, are you a part of this church? And they said, no, I just travel around churches and give feedback to preachers. And I said, I'm sorry, I I reject what you're saying then unless you're planted in the house. The pastor is the pastor of this church and he has the right to speak to me, you don't. And so I thought it was a bit of a Holy Spirit boldness. Um, Now criticism is tough, but again, you've always got to look at the spirit. You know, there can always be a grain of truth in every criticism, but I'm not going to... You know, like a classic case, you know, you might see as a preacher, I'm just, I'm using my life, that's my life. Mm. You might see 10 people saved, someone healed and one word of criticism. And you've got to constantly weigh up, well, where am I going to go? We just saw God move. Let's just go with that and Mm. celebrate that. But I I think you limit people. um, If people just want to give you criticism criticism for the sake of criticism, I don't know if they're doing it in your best interest. They just like using their voice. Mm. So I think, you know, I have people who can do that to me and Mm. speak to me. So, yeah, I think you just have to get tougher and tougher and tougher Mm. as in the exterior with a soft heart Mm. because at the end of the day, I I remember getting a prophetic word. We had Pastor Murray Newman with us a few weeks ago. I love Pastor Muzz. And I've shared before, he had a word for me once, never met him before, didn't even know he was really a pastor. And he goes, you've got a spirit of pride. 
And I remember just like, how dare he? But I kind of felt at the same time, the Holy Spirit, just listen to him, just listen to him. Mm. And as he began to speak, what he was actually saying was, you try and do everything. Mm. You know, you need to learn to release because you think you can do it better. And, you know, I remember going back to Paul and said, Paul, this man who I've never met just had a word for me. I'm not sure. And Paul goes, no, I could see that. That actually probably is a God thing. Mm. And that opened a conversation that brought a lot of change in our life. Mm. So I think sometimes if you allow the Holy Spirit to be your filter Mm. of actually going, is this done in the right spirit? To me it's always what's the criticism done? Is it done in the right spirit? And then you have to discern that because, yeah, it can actually be really helpful. Mm. Did you ever um, struggle with comparing yourself to Paul in ministry? Not comparing myself to Paul because I think we're so different. There's not even any scope of crossing over. I probably struggled more with because I'm a controller, he needs to be more like me. Right. Like he should have planners, he should have calendars, he should do that. And I think as marriage has gone on, I've realised the beauty and uh, the uniqueness of the gift of God on his life Mm. and how stupid would I be as his wife not to pray that gift to flourish. Mm. I feel like he's he's believed in my gift far more than probably I've believed in or his. Mm. I mean, I've believed in it, but I just think sometimes you just go the Mm. uniqueness. When you can honour the uniqueness of your spouse, you actually set them up to be who they are. So Mm. I probably haven't compared myself to Paul. I think he's been an incredible releaser of me. Mm. I'm not a person. I I have faith in my life now because of Paul. Mm. That's not my natural disposition. I believe for things because of Paul. So I think he is probably the single most influential person on my life in um, my spiritual walk with God. Absolutely. That's incredible. Yeah. Oh, it is. And very beautiful. I don't know if he'd say the same for me, but no. <laughs> we'll get him back on we'll the get couch him back. and ask him. Yeah. Um, this is this is a question about, I guess, your life now and, and how it's changing what do you what do you love most about ministry now that you are sort of progressing to the next stage of your life in a certain decade, which I don't know if we're gonna talk about. But there's a big birthday coming up. Yeah, there's Chukili. a big birthday. And, um, and you are kind of hitting this 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 big season, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know what? I look, I think every season's been unique and wonderful. You know, pioneering was just do everything, literally. Yeah okay, that needs to be done, you know, do children's shit. I've, I've, you know, I've done it all. And can I honestly say going into the seasons helps knowing I've done it all. Mm. I'm not sitting in my throne going, you do all of this. I've never done any of this, but you do it. Mm. You know, so I think in your early days you do it all. Mm. I think probably my greatest joy now is, um, and it's funny how the natural mirrors spiritual, you know, mm. we're releasing a son into marriage mm. My greatest joy is releasing people Mm. and seeing them do something. Mm. You know, I I can't even explain when I see someone get up on platform or, you know, just in life or in church or whatever and you go, wow, look at them, Mm. look at them. Five years ago that would never have happened. Mm. And the fact that we can entrust campuses to people and ministries to people, that's so humbling. Mm. It's like all your children are just shining. And so I think. That's the joy of the season. Mm. And what it's given me is, uh, this is a big shift for me, is I had to stop being a doer where I had to do the jobs and I feel like for the first time I'm being creative and dreaming. It's a different space. Mm. So I think 
every season has a transition point and that could go for weeks or months and the greatest frustration isn't in the season it's in the transitions but you know transitions from being at school to uni or uni to working that's a big transition people don't adjust to very well Mm. um or to marriage there's transitions and they can go on for you know weeks months years um but if you deal with those well, those transitions and go, well, God, what are you doing in me? Ask the right questions. Mm-hmm. Don't get insecure. Don't compare. Don't look at what someone else is doing. Well, God, what are you doing in me? Who do you want me to be? Mm-hmm. It's one of the greatest questions we can constantly ask the Holy Spirit. Well, who does who does God want me to be? Who does he want me to be in this season? And I think once you get through the transitions, you go, the next season's great too. Um, so, yeah, I love seeing the release. I love seeing the ownership. I love seeing people pick things up and I love seeing the vision that we just was a dream you go these people actually are carrying it Mm. they can tell others about it like that's just amazing Mm. yeah that's awesome that's cool I think we're gonna do our last question okay so if you weren't a pastor what would you do with your unique set of skills I thought we'd talked about this one a while ago I'd be a professional organizer Oh, yes, I think we have. We have talked about this. I would come in and organise people's lives. I would tell you what to do. So leadership is still leadership. I I would love that. I would love to look at someone's life and going, you know what, have you thought about it from this perspective? Mm. And I kind of feel that's what we do in ministry as well. Mm. Hey, I know that's where you're at. Have you thought about it from what God could do or what God says? And I feel like that's my job um, in leadership. So, no, I I love organising. I love solving problems Mm. as in, um, oh, that's a need. How could we do that? I guess um, I love – I had a word over my life years ago that I was like an architect. It was anointing in my life to be an architect. And Mm. at first I was like, what a word. What does that mean? And, you know, as Paul and I talked about it, I realised he's, he's a really great visionary. He knows, let's go here. And I could see how God brought me into his life to go, well, this is how we could do it and mm. bring a bit of detail to it. And mm. I think I operate the best doing that. But, uh, yeah, probably a professional organiser mm. and, uh, yeah. I think we talked about this and last yeah. time we said that there was a show in this. They, oh, they could <laughs> like be. Like Marie Kondo. I don't fold like that. Gee, who's got time for that? But it's like a show where Joe Geeling comes in and organises oh, your life. I do fold like that for my suitcase. Yeah. Marie yeah. Kondo for the suitcase, yes. Because yeah, cool. you can see all your clothes. I just, that's a big tip. Mm. Big tip. You can see them all. Mm. It's just awesome. What would you tell your teenage self today? My teenage self, oh, gosh, there's so many things I could probably tell. It's like, you know, start a fitness program early that you actually stick to and eat healthy back then. But anyway, that's a whole nother story. Um, I would tell my teenage self, have confidence, Mm. have confidence. Um, Phil Pringle said it um, Mm. when he was with us uh, last year for Breakthrough and we had lunch with him and he says, what people don't realise, faith is also confidence. We talk Mm. about faith and he says people have confidence in God confidence in others but very rarely do people have confidence in who they are and the gifts of God on their life Mm. and that just resonated with me I went yeah I don't think I do have confidence I don't back myself enough because we see that as a bit carnal or you know being full of yourself and I just okay no we're going to back ourselves because these are the God gifts Mm. 
And if I could just go back, go be confident, be bold, believe in yourself that mm. God's called you and chosen you mm. and uh, don't apologise. So it's a big apologise. Oh, sorry if I didn't do that right. Sorry. I, I just think I'd be like, no, this is who I am. And I'm not, not in an arrogant way, mm. obviously, but really honouring who God is in my life and what he's put on my life rather than waiting till your later years and go, wow, I am called to do that and I am, you know, it took me years. I go, oh, I, I preach but I don't know if I'm any good and go, I think I'm finally stage no, I'm a good preacher because God's gifted me to do it mm. and um, I can lead because God's gifted me to do it. Imagine if I'd had that in my teenage years. Um, so I think that is a big thing. Yeah, be confident. Mm. Be confident in God, you know, but also be confident in yourself. Mm. And yeah. don't be afraid to rock a perm. Or maybe not. <laughs> don't do the perm if I could talk back to myself. Okay, last one. Last one. And I, okay. think, I think we know who this one is from. Right. Um, can we take Favour Conference to Hawaii? We shall name and shame. That is Kate Gibney. <laughs> Just to clarify, Kate Gibney. Um, of course we could if yes. you'd like a registration of $2,000 per person. Well, yes. So that is the flip side. But, uh, hey, we're already in a tropical paradise. Let's, let's you know, put true. it in context for the Launceston girls. This is you do true. like coming to Brisbane, don't you, girls? Um, but Hawaii sounds pretty good. Maybe we should start with a leadership gathering in Hawaii. Oh, like a Yeah, retreat. it'd be very Ooh. spiritual. Maybe not. Maybe. <laughs> I believe that Kate also asked if she, um, if you would play keys at favor conference yeah, this year. I, Do you want to answer that on the record? Uh, <laughs> well, for those who don't know, keys as in uh, keyboard, um, that was from my teenage days and probably tell your teenage self, practice more. That would have been good. Uh, no, Kate, I probably won't be playing keys. But anyway, that's, that's good. There are younger, more talented people, but it's been great. Thank you. Thank you for being honest and answering all our questions. Thanks, Marion. It's great to be here. It's been fun. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Favourite Friends. If you'd like to find out a bit more about us, you absolutely can just by heading to the link in our episode description. It'll give you a bit more information about what Favour Women is all about and IC Church. And you can even, if you're interested, find out a bit more about our annual Favour Conference, which is happening in July in Brisbane. As always, share this episode with someone you know, and I will see you next time. Bye.